I'm Maria Shriver, and this is Meaningful Conversations. On every episode, we'll take a journey into the lives of inspiring, thoughtful, thought-provoking people. People who are smart, spirited, and spiritual. People who have done extraordinary things to make a positive impact on our world. These are people I respect and admire. People who inspire me. I want them to share their stories, their experiences, their wisdom, and their feelings with you. I hope we can come together in community to reflect on the issues and topics that we're all thinking about, but no one seems to be talking about. I hope that you're inspired to have more meaningful conversations with the people in your life. Rob Lowe is a man who requires little introduction. He's an award-winning actor, director, producer, and author. He's also a husband and the proud dad of two young men. And you may not know this, but he's also one of my dearest friends. I met Rob and his wife, Cheryl, years ago, and I've watched him grow and evolve over the years, and I've always admired how he's transitioned from one phase of his life to another, all while staying grounded, or as kids would say, pretty grounded, and focused on what matters most to him, his family. And that's the truth. I wanted to kick off my podcast series, Meaningful Conversations, with Rob, because I knew we could talk candidly about the issues that so many of us are facing ourselves in our relationships, our families, our careers, and our inner lives. Rob has lived through it all, and I can't wait for you to hear what he has to say. All right, welcome to Meaningful Conversations, and I am here with my dear friend, my great friend, one of the great loves of my life, (laughs) Rob Lowe. Ladies and gentlemen, in the house, we're not really kissing. He's just blowing kisses. It's Hollywood. We air kiss. We air kiss, but you have really kissed me. I have. Cheek, yeah. That's one of my my favorite things I get to do in life. Kiss my cheek? Yeah. Oh, good. That's so meaningful to me. (laughs) (laughs) See, already our conversation is unbelievably meaningful. But I wanted to have you come on here because I always have such deep, meaningful conversations with you. We're great friends, but we talk about everything. And I think a lot of people don't realize your breadth and your depth. Oh, thank you. And uh, everything from sports, right, to family, to addiction, to sobriety, to Hollywood, to careers, relationships. to relationships, to life. And that's really when I think of a meaningful life, that's what I think of. So I want to ask you before we start, how do you define a meaningful life? What does that mean to you, that phrase? A meaningful life for me means living, first of all, living in authenticity, b- being who you truly are, being able to uh, use all of your sort of God-given talents in the way that they were meant to be used, mm-hmm. and creating something. And it can be something big or it can be something little. Mm-hmm. It can be creating a family. It can right. be- That's big. Which is big, big, yeah. big, big. It doesn't have to yeah. be creating a, a book or creating a painting or anything like that. Um, creating relationships, creating memories right. is a big thing for me. Because at the end, for, for me, the most meaningful things I have in my life, and I'm blessed to have a lot of things, are my memories. So I, I said, because I in my book, I've been thinking, I always started each of the chapters on different subjects with a quote. And yeah. I was reading through it this morning, and I picked out this quote for you. It's from John Wooden, and it says, failure isn't fatal, but failure to change might be. And I thought that was great, because you change what you're doing all the time. You keep growing, you keep evolving, you keep learning. 
is that a natural curiosity? Is that a? I think that's part of it. I think honestly, I mean, we all have met people who are unbelievably curious, and then we yeah. meet people who don't seem to be curious. I'm really curious. Um, about everything. I, about everything. I mean, when I meet a new person, I, I just want to know more and more and more and more about them. And I think the more curious you are, the more information you get, the more information you're able to access to change if you want to. So you've been in the public eye for decades. And so that quote, kind of the failure to change is what is a problem. How have you changed since people first you first came into people's consciousness because, I mean, it's really incredible the duration of your career and how you've managed to change it up. Well, it's twofold. You don't endure, I, I think, in any career, particularly this one, without getting your own sort of house in order. So there's the personal changes are one track, and then there's the reinvention of who you are as an entertainer, artist, whatever, and you have to do them both, right? So explain that getting your house in order. So, you know, for me, it was getting into recovery. You know, I, I stopped drinking when I was 26. So I've got, what, I'm terrible at math, but I've got, what, 28 years? Yeah, uh, in, in recovery, thank yeah. you. So I don't get anything without that. That's so that's your priority. And by the way, that's a big change. That's a big change. That's a big change. And is that something, because we've heard recently so many people who had embraced sobriety fall off of it. Which is, that's very common for some. I've been blessed to not have to start over again. But you work it. I do work it. I'm a, you know, see, I was always a pleasure to have in class. I might not have ever gotten the best grades, but I knew how to take direction. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I like to say that half of being a good actor is knowing how to take direction. Yeah. So when I started on my journey of recovery, I listened to the best and I did whatever they told me to do. If they told me to go, part of being sober was going to involve standing on my head in a corner. I didn't question it. I just did it because I wanted it. Why would you want it? Because I knew that my life, the way I'd been living it, had stopped working. It worked great for a while. It was mm-hmm. fun. It was listen. Yeah. It was great. I mean, ripping through the eighties. Come on, I, it was it was great. Yeah. I'm glad I did it. It yeah. was fantastic. But you know, I knew I wanted to change and, and build a new chapter. And the chapter I had in my head involved maybe getting married, maybe having kids, and that was not going to happen the way I was I was living. So I wanted something, and I worked at it. It's the same thing as when I was eight years old and knew I wanted to be an actor. I wanted something. I worked at it. I did what I was told from the people I respected, and that really paid off. But your addiction, sobriety, being a big part of your life, you also sponsor people. You work to help other people. That's part of it. Part of long-term recovery is you have to give away what you're lucky enough to to get. And what do you get out of that, sponsoring people? Oh, my gosh. Well, I I always – the the thing that's so amazing is you end up getting way, way, way more out of it yourself than – somebody who is really, really struggling and hanging on for dear life and is looking up to you for knowledge. I mean, they get a lot, but you get more because A, you're reminded of how ugly it is out there. When you listen to that person. Yeah. You hear their stories and, and you see people struggle. You're, you get huge gratitude, huge gratitude. And living in a, in a place of gratitude is, and I'm not great at it. I, I, you know, I get 
mad in traffic and like anybody yeah, else. I'm that not, I've seen. And yeah. this is not the most yeah. patient person I have sitting no, next to I me. I know, I know. I have no, I, I really need to work on my patience. I am, I got a long way to go. So when I, <laughs> when I can get into gratitude, yeah. that's, a, that's a big thing for me. And, and working with newcomers is the best way I know how to do it. And I also love having raised two boys. And yeah. you, I know you know and love my boys, Matthew and Johnny. I'm very aware of how hard it is for young people and I was basically their age too when I was struggling with that stuff. It's really hard to figure out what your relationship is with drugs and alcohol. It's really it's hard. When you're when kids are is particularly boys, right, in college, coming yeah. out of college. What do you mean it's hard for them to figure out their relationship with drugs and alcohol? Well, everybody's gonna have a relationship with it. I mean, very few are just gonna never try it, never do it. You know, everybody is gonna most people right. are going to have some sort of experience. So that's the relationship. And can you do it in a way that's appropriate? Can you do it in a way that's both fun? Because let's face it, it's fun or people wouldn't do it. Right. 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 Or is it going to get the best of you? You know, all of that, how you figure out what that is for you, mm -hmm. you're doing at a time when you're trying to figure out everything else in your life. So it kind of comes at a really bad time. Right. So how do you advise your kids? There's so many people out there who worry about their kids. We're in the midst of an opioid epidemic, you know, young men suffering incredible depression and anxiety. And uh, I've spoken to a lot of young men and they say it's really only when they drink that they feel like they can let it all down. And they think, okay, it will never get the best of me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, again, if there wasn't something one was getting out of it, nobody would do it. But then the irony, as you know, is the more you do it, the more depressed you get, and it becomes a vicious circle. And I think that's the thing sometimes that people don't understand is they're, you know, they go out with the guys and they get hammered and they, and they feel fine and the pressure's off mm -hmm. and they forget about their troubles and it feels great then. Right. But then a day later or two days later when they're still having the down effects of that, they're depressed. And a lot of it is because of the very thing they think has been helping them. It actually isn't. So you talk about that kind of helping you get your house in order. Then you got married, you have two kids. So part of your meaningful life is your family, a big part of that, right? Big part. So kind of when you think about your sobriety, your sponsor work, your family, and then your career, where does your career play in that? Well, when I was young, and I think it's probably appropriate, particularly for young men, um, my career was everything. It was number one. I mean, that was it. And anybody that got in the way of it was going to take this second position or third or fourth or last yeah. in my life. Is that something women should know about men? I think so. I mean, I mean, that's what we're, we're designed. This is, this is where Marie and I, we always have these great talks about <laughs> the differences between men and women. Yes, we and could go on, on forever. On and on. And sometimes we agree. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes we agree. And sometimes we don't. Yes, we disagree we, about a lot of stuff, which is what's fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, which is fun because we, we argue about California. We argue about politics. We argue about the roads. Here's a shocker. Not many people want to stand up to Maria. <laughs> You do. You do. We, we were talking. Yeah. Well, let's get back. That's, we'll talk that's about the next. That's yeah, the next we're, podcast. There's an election coming. Yeah, we're going to so do. We'll gonna, do our. Well, next podcast is our differences. That's fantastic. Well, we could do a whole political podcast. Oh, we totally we're very could. different politically. I know that we should. OK, we're going to make a note of this next. Thing, OK, so we, when you come back from your work. But where we were talking about uh, men or, and women so, yeah. and, and women should, you think, understand that when men are starting out. They're singular. Because their identity is all tied up in their success, their worth. Their worth and value is 100% tied up in 
their ability to go out of the cave and bring the animal home. Is that been the case for you? It's still the case, but I was ready to move on to the next level. You know, it's like there are only so many movies you can do. There are only so many TV shows you can do. There's only so many dates you can go on. There's so many, only so many restaurants you can go to. I was so, I mean, I find that in my life, I get to a point where I'm just done with stuff and I will do like whatever it takes to go into the next place. So you were done with drugs and alcohol, done with partying, got married, had kids, yeah. but you went, then went into television, very successful there, kind of done? Done. I was done, done. with movies. I was, I, and, and also here's the, for the first time ever, my career choices were chosen through the lens of how it was going to affect my family. So, mm-hmm. you know, the movie business for me was a lot of location work. Yeah. And I didn't want to raise my kids like a band of gypsies, which we did for a while, but I really wanted to try to be in LA. And that was at the same time the new golden age of television began. Right. So I was able to to sort of change my focus to TV, but a lot of that was so I could go trick-or-treating with my kids. Oh, are you going to do that this year? I know. <laughs> I lo- it's my favorite. Well, you know, yes. I love my, I love I know. My, my family holidays. I do them big. But I'm Halloween, big yeah, me too. But kind of Halloween with like 20-something-year-olds is not the same not as the same. Halloween with like five-year-olds. It's just not the I, same. I will literally find my friends who have little kids. And, and go with them. And beg to go with them. Will you dress up? You understand I trick-or-treated myself until I was 24. Without, yeah, just In a costume, on with and, a bag. Oh, good. I think my son will, my kids will do that, actually, I hope. But so, so anyway, so you're now like, where do you find yourself today? So you're talking about the golden age of television, trying to shift up your career so you could be more with your children today. Today, my kids are out of the house. So right. it's, it's time to change it up. Again. So that's it. That's a, like, I'm done with that part of raising my kids. Got to change it up. I'm done being, you know, tied to the house because they're not tied to the house. Yeah. And so... Sure enough, I'm going off to work in London for four or five months doing something really interesting there that I never would have even considered previously because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have wanted to right. have been away. But it's great. It's London itself is a character in the piece I'm doing, so we have to be there. There's no version of it where yeah. you do it in LA and make it look like London. I'm also feeling like I'm kind of done – I really want to focus on streaming television instead of network. I've done mostly network, and I feel like I've done everything I can do there for a while. So do you feel like you now have to create your own things to have the career that you want to have? It's funny. If I look back on it, I would be interested to see how much of my own creation has led to tangible great results like for sure my books yeah for sure my one-man show but more than anything before yeah. we go into that here's what i realize and i tell young actors this all the time that what you will work on to f- create for yourself mm-hmm. nine times out of ten doesn't go anywhere but the energy of doing that 100 percent creates something where the phone rings and it's something great so you do it you advocate people to do it for something else. 100%. I, for sure, if you're in life waiting for the phone to ring, it may not ring. But if you're out there hustling, yeah, what you're hustling may not happen. A lot of times it doesn't. But I have found that it makes the phone ring. 
So one of the things, Rob wrote this very successful book, Stories I Only Tell My Friends. And a little while ago, he was I was at his house and he was talking about turning his book into a one-man show. And I thought like, what is that? That's so weird or wild and that probably won't happen. And it happened and it's happened big. And you've been touring in this one-man show that you've created. Nobody was saying, Rob, come and do a one-man show. Nobody was could even conceive of that. And then you share it on your Instagram, thousands of people showing up for this one-man show that you created from Nothing. Up your head. It is one of my great satisfactions is to walk out on stage and look around and go, this all started in my head. And I've had people go, yeah. go so like, like so who wrote That's it? meaningful. That's meaningful. Wow. And people go, so who wrote it? I'm like, I did. They go, wow, oh my God, so who directed it? And I go, well, I did. And it's not that I didn't want collaborators. It was just that uh, I knew what I wanted and, you know, why not me? Why not me? But what have you gotten from that that perhaps you didn't get from doing television or films? Well, it's kind of the best of both worlds because you get the the rush and the adrenaline and you get to work on the discipline of being on stage. And, you know, as an actor, being on stage is a very specific discipline that not everybody can do nor wants to do. I love it. I think being able to command people. (laughs) You love that. You love that. I love being able to (laughs) do as I say, laugh now, (laughs) cry now, get me a cup of coffee. (laughs) Now. Now. Yes. You like to command people. I've been with you when you are commanding. (laughs) That is just like, (laughs) I want it this way and I want it that way. But you were saying that people say to you, like, who wrote it? Who conceived of this? And you're like, you, you. And do you find that in your life, because you're so handsome, and you know that, that people have underestimated you, been surprised by your intelligence, your drive, your discipline? My entire career is based on low expectations. For sure. Yeah. I mean, which is great. Like people, the bar is really low for me. And because they think you're just a pretty face and you have nothing in your head? I think that's probably part of it. Also, I don't present as a serious person. I think that's a big part of it too. It's like I'm not this moody, introspective. You're moody. Aloof. You're introspective. You're serious. But do, do you think people see me that way? I don't think people no, see me. No, I don't me think that you but see if, it. I see curtain, it because right? I sit there and talk to you. And right. so you're clearly very bright, on, as I said, on all a lot of different subjects, right? And so I think people wouldn't expect that. So you come off, though, as serious, smart, funny, curious. You, you're quick with the conversation, but I think people are always surprised by that. They are. They, for sure they are. And it happens again and again and again. And I've been doing it for five decades and, and people and people still are surprised. I look at it this way. I look I and I'm a real optimist for the most part and, yeah. and always look at the positive. And the positive of it is 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 that, you know, in in the fifth decade I still have the ability to surprise people. Does that make you happy or irritate you? Depends on what it is. Because <laughs> let's like yeah. I said, I can get irritated. I am human. But do you feel like, damn, I've been doing this for five decades and don't you see what I've accomplished? Or you're like, I like surprising people. I like catching them off guard. And it's weird. I have a, something's happened, a paradigm shift, something in the last, I'd say about two or three years where I really, truly have gotten to a place, truly, where I can own it and it's in my DNA that I, I don't care 
what anybody thinks anymore. I really do. It's really, and not in a negative way, yeah. but like in a really like, I'm good with it. You know what I'm, I'm And how'd that happen? Because that's I, I the think, thing that everybody struggles with. I think with. it might be time. I think it just might be like, they say reps in the gym. I think yeah. it just may be, you know, you can only look across the room at a director in a restaurant so many times ago. How come I've never worked with that director? What is it about me? What is it? What do I need to do? And then one day you look over at the director and you just don't care. But you had the, what is it about me? What's yeah, for sure. I think everybody me? does. Yeah. yeah. And so, but how so many people have the, it's never going to happen for me. What's wrong with me? I'm not enough. What about me? And it takes them down a road that is negative and that they can't come back from. So what did you do that brought you to a place where like, I don't care? I think it's the little tiny things that you do to try to be an authentic person that incrementally chip by chip by chip by chip by chip. One day there's enough weight on the scale Mm -hmm. and now the scale goes in your favor. So for me, it's being able to look back at, at what I've been able to do in my life and I can see the value in it, you know, whether it's my marriage, my, my, my boys, their accomplishments, the things that I've done as a public figure, who I am as a person, including all of my flaws. But eventually all of that becomes enough. So it's persistence. I'm very persistent. But it's staying the course. At any point, did you feel like I want to give up? Oh, I'm not a good giver-upper. So persistence, mind over matter, so to speak. Mastery, just got to stay in it, stay and the point, course. And point of view. You, you can't get anywhere with a point. You have to have the right point of view. And you know everybody can have the right point of view. It doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know somebody. Yeah. You don't have to go to school. I mean, you literally, one of the great things I've learned in, in recovery, and I still do it, I'll wake up some days and just be like, not having a good day, aggravated. Whatever you pick it yeah. and pick your thing, a- aggravated, envious, whatever, it, whatever it is. Yeah. And I realize, wait a minute, okay, but literally, what exactly is different today than yesterday? Because yesterday I felt great. Did something happen? What ha- what actually happened? Now, if something did actually happen, maybe you have a good reason. But nine times out of ten, nothing's happened. Yeah. So you shift back. You just go. This is my choice. It's my choice. I control my feelings. I control them. They, if my feelings are not driving the car. They're not. I won't let them. I had this great interview yesterday where the guy said, you got to know what car you're driving. We each have a car. You have to know what makes it work. You know how to feed it, what it needs. It's your responsibility to know what car you're driving. 100%. And Springsteen has said this before. He's who I love. He said, you also have to know at any given time, are you driving the car? Yeah. Or is your ego driving the car? Or is your perceived victimhood driving the car? Like, who's driving it? Don't go away. We'll have more of the conversation in just a moment. But first, let's talk about one of our sponsors. I'm a big believer in meditation, which is why I'm super excited that this episode is brought to you by Calm. And Calm is the number one app to help you sleep, meditate, and relax. And that's something that we all need. It's good for your brain. It's good for the people around you. It's really good for you. So if you head over to calm.com slash meaningful, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programs, including guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, including a brand new meditation each day called the Daily Calm. 
There are also sleep stories, and there's even soothing music, breathing exercise, gentle stretches to relax your body, and more. I think I have to get this. For a limited time, Meaningful Conversation listeners get 25% off of Calm Premium subscription at calm.com slash meaningful. That's calm.com slash meaningful. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash meaningful. Give yourself the gift of calm and a happy, healthy 2019. Now let's get back to the conversation. So when you look forward, when you look like this is something I do a lot, I focus myself into like when I'm 80 and what my life is going to look like. When I think about a meaningful life, I think about where do I want to be when I'm 80? I can't do that. You can't. No, I can't. Part part of it, honestly, when you said that, I got agita. Because you don't, you don't like the idea of being 80. I got a little, well, yes, there's yeah, that. I don't ever want to look talking. any different than this. Yeah, Let's you, you probably won't. You probably won't because you have face cream and you take care of yourself. So you'll look like this at 80, but you'll be able to, if you reflect about like, because your father is how old? He's going to be 80 next year. Okay, he's going to be 80. Perfect. And I know your dad. So like when you think about a meaningful life at 80, 85, you want to be surrounded by your kids and their families. I do do. This part of it, I, I do. Well, that's this part of it. I, I'm I not do. focused on what I'm looking like. You got ver- no, no, but you I'm got very specific. You were like, you're like, I want to live gray. in this. You get very specific. I yeah. I know because we've had this conversation. Okay, it's like, I'm- I want to live in this place and I have that thing and I can't... I, I can go global. Okay, 80? well, go. Okay, well, go global. When we're just going to assume you're going to, your face is frozen like okay, this. Good, frozen. So, oh, frozen. Your body. You're frozen. Hot at eighty. Okay, good. Okay, but now, now I can your, maybe. So what was the meaningful Whew, life? That was hard. Yes, that was so, so you're frozen hard. and you're hot at eighty. Okay, good. Okay, because right, men good. do get better as they age, which is another really annoying thing about men. Right? They just get more attractive as they get older, and women become invisible. That's. Yes, it's very true. It's it's a fact of life, but we have to push up against it and continue to be interesting and curious and not worry about like I always use my mother as an example who had, you know, tons of wrinkles, she crazy hair, and she was eighty and she walked in the room and she was riveting. Riveting, so, so full of charisma. I mean I mean yeah. I mean I that's mean, the model. That is one hundred percent the so model. So do you think the you're gonna be is, riveting at eighty? You do remember that your mother at eighty at wanted to ride in a bicycle built for two with me <laughs> in a crash helmet in a race. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if, and I remember leaning over to you go, is she going to be okay? And you're like, do it. But that's so, yeah. what you want to be, riveting at 80. Yeah, totally. Riveting at 80. Title, book. I love it. We could we could like Co- find okay. riveting people at 80. So you yeah. think right away like that, book. I do. I'm always thinking of like, then I'm, I am always thinking of like, Riveting at 80, that and is good. It I is think. a good one. Yeah. Because there are so many people. And there is, by the way, there's nothing better than when you come across those people. So you keep kind of also, like when you're very disciplined, you don't maybe don't think about 80, but you think about your life and in increments and getting there. So to get to be riveting at 80, you've got to stay disciplined. You've got to keep your eye on your family. You keep your eye on your sobriety. Keep your self-curious and creating my, And here's things. my thing. And this is like when we talk about the things that we not disagree with, but where we come at things differently is- <laughs> You immediately, you're so good at plan. You love to plan. Yes, I love to plan. And and you have, you have love long term goals. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I come at it from a place of, and it's probably where I get it from. Recovery is one day at a time. Like I go, I get it. I'm with you. 
God bless, meet, I can have the government, but I then immediately re- have to have to reel it back to today. I get nervous thinking too far ahead. But you do, you project because you have ideas and they have to be, become reality. So you are one day at a time, but you're also thinking, I want to do this show. I want to do this movie. I've got a plan ahead. That is true. I do. No, that's, you know, that's true. Like I'm already thinking about, do I want, how do I want to live with this next phase of my life? You know, you, we've had these conversations yes, about yes. what, what so state you, I'm moving to. Yes. Right. I was just going to ask you what is um, inspirational to you about the country right now. Because we discuss, you, uh, Rob, we live here in California where the taxes are high, and you comment often about the traffic and the potholes, and that uh, you wanted qu- to come it's and quality live. of life. When you when yes, you, when you, you when quality you, of life when you drill it down to that here. little, it makes yeah. it sound like I feel like I'm being a complainer. No, a lot of people here are complaining about the quality of life. It's a quality and of the life. cost of life and in I've, California because I've lived here since 1976, so. I've seen the quality of life dramatically change. So that's why he dreams about possibly maybe moving, moving someplace else, else yeah. where his wife does not want to move. No. Right. So you're continued, though, to dream and to conceive of someplace you would like to go. Yeah. And because, ma- you know, manifesting, I'm right. able to manifest stuff. I am. I mean, I, it's, I don't know what to attribute it to, but every once in a while, I will get a very, very clear vision and I start to work towards it. What is the vision now? What are you manifesting? It hasn't come into total clarity for me because there's a lot of different iterations of it in my head, but it's it's the world in which I have the I'm not as anchored to any one place. Because I mean California's been my home forever yeah. and Santa Barbara has been my base forever. And I did nothing but want to be sort of in, enclosed in that. And and now I'm seeing myself out in the world more. So when you were saying earlier, you get to a place where you're like done with the chapter mm. or done with TV or yeah. done with uh, drugs and alcohol. Are you done with California? Are you done? I'm done with considering it like the end all be all my home. I mean, I, I could see a world in which I spend time here, probably a lot of time because I love so much about yeah, the state. Surfer. I mean, right. the weather, the yeah. surfing, I mean, the, the the natural beauty of it. But the day-to-day life here, for me, at this point in my life, is approaching uh, an area where I'm I'm ready for a, something different. So we, uh, Rob is a big sports fanatic. If you follow going to the Dodger on, game tonight, yeah, Twitter. If you follow, you're constantly weighing in on football. Uh, you're constantly weighing in on baseball and all sorts of other things. That sometimes in, you get yourself in trouble on your sports because I'm a real fan. You're a real fan because I'm a real look. Real fans talk smack. Yeah, you're constantly talking smack on the. I think I've been better. I think I've been way better. Yeah, because you've been like. Because I got to I got to sell tickets in these cities. Yeah. Oh, I see. So well, you're I'm, trying to control yourself. Yes. Like oh, I'm I not. See. Like okay. I realize. Like you know, I, I got to look. The good news is I love the Boston Red Sox, so yeah. I don't have any inclination to go after them. But 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 you do in football. You go after people, and you're and he's very knowledgeable. You read up about sports. You're knowledgeable, so you're a fan, but you're an educated fan. I am. So we talk sometimes about sports, but I usually bow out of that and the kids continue on talking to Rob about sports. But another thing we do talk a lot about is politics. And um, what inspires you about America? I just went to a conversation the other day and it was really quite negative. Everybody was, you know, complaining about the state that we're in, the 
people that are running the country, it's hard. all sorts of stuff. It's really hard. You know, I'm an, I'm an optimist and I, listen, I, I was in the West Wing. The reason I was right. in the West Wing was I loved, I loved its idealized version of public service. Right. And that show almost seems laughable now. It seems like that, that would have been taken place on Mars. And I think that there's enough blame to go around on, on both sides. And I think it's, it's a, the news and you're a journalist. So, yeah. so you'll, you, I'm sure will have your feelings about this. Part of it is that. Yeah. He complains about the news too. The news has always, look, it's always been about selling papers. Mm-hmm. I get it. I mean, and if you look back at, at in history, um, they discovered today a, um, a newspaper from 1774 at the Goodwill in New Jersey. And so you read through the news of 1774 and it's kind of the same. It's very inflammatory. So it's always been that way. I get it. But I do think now because of social media, one can choose their side, live in that side, only hear, live in the echo chamber of people that think like them, talk like them, look like them, believe like them. And there's just nowhere it feels like and this is, I'm, I'm saying this personally, like I'm a news junkie. I don't know where I go to get news that I cannot see a not so subtle agenda. So and, you and, feel and then, by the way, and we know why that is. We know why that is, is because we know there's more ratings in being partisan on either side than there are to be in the middle. It's a business. It's always been a business. It's just worse and worse and worse now. So you either got Fox over here, you have MSNBC over here, and then there's there's really nowhere. There, well, you you have yourself. You have yourself to, it's be, up to actually you. be educated. Well, so much now is up to you. Your health, yeah. being knowledgeable about your own health, being knowledgeable about the world, hearing different opinions, yeah. and then making up your own mind. But there's so much. But people uh, don't do that. Like I. Well, that takes work. That takes discipline. That takes focus. Right. That takes actually uh, listening. Which I do. I, 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 know I listen. Do. Yeah. Like I listen to Fox. I listen to MSNBC. I, li- I'm, I toggle through all of it. If you walk in, like when right. I'm at work in my office or my trailer where I'm on set, if you walk in, I could be on any of those. Right. And I love when I go to visit Rob and uh, Cheryl, his wife, who's a great friend of mine. I love to go sit outside with Rob because he's the only other person watching the news and that go back and forth like what's going on yeah totally so do you and so you watch you as you said you toggle and then do you find that you can't make up your own opinion or you i feel like i can but but it requires it requires a ton of i think experience and knowledge of how the media works Mm -hmm. and being able to parse it down to what it is and then making up your own mind and what what does your mind tell you about us as a country? My mind tells me that we're more actually. You ready for this? Here's yeah. the good news. Good. We're more united than you think. I agree. I think that all of this sort of angst is driven by our media culture, who, by the way, aren't doing anything wrong. They're doing what they. Well, have now everybody is in the media, though, because even by your social media, you're in the media. So exactly. everybody's putting their opinions out, swaying. And by the way, I try in mine. I try to do what I think the media should do. If you read through my Twitter. I mean, if you can perceive an agenda in my Twitter, I'd be really surprised. So what are you trying to do that you, what do you think you're doing that the media should be doing on your Twitter feed? Journalist, Rob Lowe. I'm very, very focused on focusing on the commonality than the hot button clickbait divisiveness or grandstanding. 
I mean, but I there are plenty of people that want to do that. I'm, I, I don't. There was a great David Brooks column not too long ago where he uh, was talking about a new book and where they actually looked at the country and the, the news and the news headlines were being generated by like 4% on the left and 4% on the right. And the vast majority identified as emotionally exhausted in the middle. And they didn't really have a narrative. But when they found their narrative, because realizing that they're the majority, they would redefine the narrative for the country and actually lead us forward. And so I think that there is so much more commonality, as you say, much more of the majority Mm -hmm. that is not about inflaming, dividing, screaming, but actually said, we're hardworking. We want a good quality of life. We want to send our kids to safe schools. We believe in democracy. We want to have a country that works, that's responsible the way we run our homes, right? And that there's a lot more people who think like you do And on that, we agree. Exactly. We'll be right back with Rob. But first, we'll talk about one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare, an online learning community for creators that offers more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. On Skillshare, you can fuel your curiosity, your creativity, and your career by taking classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. Let's face it, we all can have room to grow and evolve, and that being a lifelong learner will help us all get smarter and wiser at any age. And with courses like creative personal writing or crafting your social media presence to turning your idea into a high-growth business, I maybe need that. Skillshare has something for everyone. So whether you're looking to discover a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving, and reaching those new year goals. If you visit www.skillshare.com meaningful today, you can get two months of Skillshare for free. That's good. That's two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. Go to www.skillshare.com meaningful to start your two months now. Get learning. This episode of Meaningful Conversations is brought to you by Swell Investing, an impact investing platform that helps new and experienced investors better understand where their money goes and how it grows. With Swell, investors get to choose how every one of their dollars is invested and where they want the money to have impact, from renewable energy to disease eradication to clean water. Most investors don't actually know much about the companies that they're backing, but Swell is working to change that. If you want to create the world we want to live in someday, it's probably a good idea to start paying attention where we're putting our dollars. Swell wants to help your money make a difference. And if you visit www.swellinvesting.com meaningful today, you'll get a $50 bonus when you open a new account. Once again, that's www.swellinvesting.com meaningful. Swell, invest in progress. Now we're going to get back to my conversation with Rob Lowe. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, I'm convinced, like I'll, I'll go on and see what's trending. Right. I tweeted about this yesterday and it'll be something that just riles me up, right? Yeah. That's not I'm hard. not convinced. Yeah. It's actually trending. I'm convinced. Like if you are- Aha! I don't, I don't and I don't want to say- You think sound, there's a conspiracy on the trending thing. I, Yeah. And- 
And and wow. I honestly believe if you were an enemy of this country, how brilliant and easy is it now to divide us? All you have to yeah. do is figure out how to work Facebook, Twitter, and it makes it look like we're on the brink of a civil war. That's what they would love. Our yeah, enemies would right. love that. They would love that. I mean, that's been going on forever. That kind of right. social disruption has been going on forever. Now it's so easy. All, you can do it from your, your keyboards. I don't believe half of it's real. I really, really, I mean it. I know I sound like a kook. I really don't believe it's real. So you actually use your Twitter feed very in a very um, proactive way to promote the opposite of that. Yeah, I try to. I mean, I, I, I really do. I mean, I, I try to, you know, to bring, there's so much vitriol and grandstanding right. and, you know, everybody's shoving everybody's beliefs down their throat in a way I don't mind that. Listen, I've been very political. You know I yeah. have been in my life. But it was never in this way of being 100% intolerant of other people's views. That's true. I can vouch for that. Impatient with their views, but not intolerant with their views. So tell me kind of, you're excited about that you think that there are, we're more united than we think. You're excited about your career and actually having, you have an empty nest. They always say that to women. But I wanted to ask you how that impacted you as a man. Oh, it was brutal for me. I wrote a chapter in my last book about impending empty nest. And I almost didn't write the chapter because I thought, it's not a big deal. I mean, there are so many families go through empty nest. Yeah. And it turns out that that chapter every year is shared online amongst people. It's an evergreen for families who are sending their kids away to college. And in it, it just talks about how devastating it was for me. Cheryl was fine. I mean, I think on the outside, I think she was fine because I was falling apart. Right. And she was smart enough to know that what somebody had to be strong. What about? Um, I think so much was coming together. I think it was, it was, you know, obviously the, the sort of sense that my beloved boy was going to be away and I wasn't going to like come home and see him sleeping in his bed when I came home at night and you know, all the things that we do together, we would never do again, all that stuff. And so your center was shifting. Exactly. And it was a new chapter was coming up that I wasn't ready for and then I didn't get to write. Oh, that's the ego driving the car. Sometimes the ego drives the car. And now you're rewriting a new chapter. And it's, by the way, it's turned out to be great. The, uh, I, I need to do a follow-up to that chapter. It's, you know, my relationship with the boys is is even better than it, than it was then. It's deeper. It's, it's different, for sure. But, I mean, there were times when I would walk through their empty rooms when they were first gone off to college, and it, it felt like, like they were never coming back. It was really yeah. bizarre. And so you feel like that you would say to people who are, like, very present fathers and or mothers and who are worried about that, that there is life after that and actually can in a way be better. Well, I'll tell you where it's better is for Cheryl and I. One day I kind of looked at her and said, I remember you. Yeah. Yeah. Remember we used to have so much fun together. Remember that? It's like, and being able to do sort of frivolous, silly, fun, wild, you know, things that would not have been on, you know, you know, parenting is a serious full-time job. Yeah. And now we can do whimsical, silly things that we, you know, did. Like you know, what? Earlier. What did you? What have you done that's silly, whimsical, and wild? <laughs> I mean, it's like, let's go to the racetrack. 
you know, or so, you yeah. know, like something yeah. that we would never do. Like, hey, what? Or you know, let's uh, let's go to big drive to Big Sur this weekend. Yeah. We would never have done any of that stuff with the boys. Or, or if we did, it's like the planning and the babysitters and the school yeah. play and the home. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that's that you, can... you can do whatever you want. By the way, we can run around the house naked if we want to. How about that? That is meaningful. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. You look at your wife or your husband and you're, you're, you're like a couple, again. a couple again. It's awesome. That part's awesome. So finally, as we go, what are you most excited about in your life right now? It's excited slash nervous to see what my boys are doing. This is the first time that they're really out in the you know, about to be in the workforce. Matthew's about to graduate from law school. John Owen is finding his way through the entertainment business. And I know we, we talk about this all the time as, as parents, is like watching them build this next real chapter of their lives mm-hmm. is really, really, really... We were just talking about it before yeah. we came here. You yeah. Know, talking about your daughter's next chapter. Yeah. And, and, and there, I mean, let's face it, what's more exciting than that is trying to, to watch them navigate, you know, the building of their... F- Meaningful Real lives. Life, meaningful lives. Yeah. And will you talk to them about building a meaningful life as opposed to just a successful life or a rich life or a... I, I will. And hopefully, you know, it's like anything else. You can talk to them till you're blue in the face. I, I think that we as parents, we have to lead by example. I think they observe everything. And what they see us do is so much more powerful than what they hear us say. Amen. Rob, my friend, thank you for coming and thank you for sharing your wild, meaningful life with me, (laughs) with us. I hope you've enjoyed this very first episode of Meaningful Conversations. Thanks for listening and a special thank you to my very first guest, Rob Lowe, for his friendship, his wisdom, and his willingness to have a really honest, meaningful conversation. If you're looking for more inspiration and words of wisdom, then please sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Sunday Paper. It's free and it's really good. So just visit my website, mariashriver.com, to subscribe. It'll give you news and views for your meaningful life. And it always tries to take you above the noise and give you something to think about that's optimistic for your week ahead. I hope you'll also check out my book, I've Been Thinking, and its new companion, I've Been Thinking, The Journal. Like this podcast, these books were created to help you on your path to a meaningful life. More details on my website about both of those as well. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to being in community with you again right here each Monday.